0: Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Alison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Hello, hello, happy Wonderland Wednesday! This is Allison's Wonderland, the show that takes you through the looking glass into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. I'm your host, Allison, and tonight our guest is Ezra Weiss. Ezra is currently directing the English dub of Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, but he is also an established anime voice actor that has been in the game for many years. He's also, fun fact, a marathon coach. So apparently if you are a marathon runner and need some coaching, you can sign up and get that as well. So we're gonna dive in and learn all about Ezra, learn all about the skill set you need to become an animation director and learn more about the different shows he's working on. So why don't you guys please join me in welcoming to the virtual stage, as it were, the one and only Ezra Weiss. Ezra, I'm your hype man. I'm your hype man. There's a question box in the bottom here. So if you have questions, go ahead and put them in the box. I will do my best to get to them. I know that we have a lot that came in in advance. So thanks to everybody that submitted and we'll do what we can. Ezra, hey, how are you?
1: I'm so ready for this. I've been waiting for a long time, Allison. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I love so many of the folks that you've interviewed. I look forward to working, and I aspire to working with some of the talent that you have interviewed in the past. I think you do an amazing job, and it is an honor to be here, and thank you for including me.
0: Oh, wow. You're just making me blush. Of course. I you here as well. I mean... First of all, I just got to give a shout out to your TikTok channel <laughs> because I love the content that you create there and all the behind scenes stuff you do and all the, you really show people inside your world, which I think is so cool. And you do it in a way that is inspiring and down to earth. And I just really love it. So thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have, I had a thought even today of, you know, am I, am I an oversharer? I love to share. I really love to share like a lot of myself with the world. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was really drawn to just being an entertainer and being a performer and being an actor. And I just like to share. I like to be I like to be candid, which I have to be careful about sometimes because we are in a business where projects don't want us to be candid. Uh I I have a very empathetic heart and if somebody is in need of an ear or in need of companionship I'm you know very willing to be that person and uh, I also think that's something that really helps me out in uh, being a director you know really listening to where someone might be struggling with a moment to try and work through that and when social media came around and I could just take all of these friends with me and share my life with them, I just, you know, started to enjoy doing that more and more and more and more.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think you're just diving into the meat of the question that is on everybody's minds these days. Oh, although
1: I am a pescatarian, but bring out the meat.
0: Beef the social media beef It's really the bacon, whatever your taste is. But yeah, right. I mean we are especially those of us that are voice actors, directors working on these projects, um there is a certain amount of encouragement to be creating content but how do you do that in a way that doesn't wrap up your ego or get you know just get you in a place where you're you're detached from the true creation of the work i think you know i've been on both sides of the table where i'm definitely like a little more in like maybe the oversharing category right now i'm like am i annoying people but i took a 14 month break and that was great too but you know if you're off too long it gets really hard to get back on and
1: it depends on what you mean by get back on truly, because yeah. if get back on means numbers, followers, yeah. numbers, then then that's a difficult thing. Because, you know, as everybody knows, when it comes to social media, it you need to be consistent. Yeah. And the other thing they say about social media is you need to have a niche. You need to be very specific and you need to really like target and, and work on that. So for instance, this podcast, mm. it's about voiceover. It's about the art and the joy of bringing characters to life through the use of our voice, which obviously is our entire instrument, not just solely our voice. Right. But look at your podcast. You do so much more. You bring out a, a, a casting director, you bring in voiceover directors, you bring in voiceover actors, you bring in writers that work on, on animation. You have a great... Deal of even within this one niche that you have, you have great variety. And I am all about that. I'm all about that variety. And I've never followed those rules of success that they would teach you in a social marketing class, right? Uh, A social media marketing class. So if you go to my Instagram page, my Facebook stuff, you will see my family, you will see my professional, you'll see my running, you'll hear stuff about the deep, deep sadness that I'm experiencing or the crazy wackiness or the frustration of somebody I meet in Trader Joe's. You'll have Weird, random snapshots, you know, of being in the post office or people getting my name spelled incorrectly at Starbucks, which I absolutely love. And even though I may feign like I'm angry about it, I love it. Who cares? So I'm all over the place. And taking a break, a social media break, is super important. Backing off. of the attention that you give to something like that is really important but here's the thing that i really do connect with and that is the other person watching our content i don't feel like it's just my content and it's like i'm checking up on my content like for instance if we are gardeners with our social content i'm only looking at my crops I'm looking at my garden of crops, but I'm thinking about the person who will be enjoying them later in the salad, mm. right? So it's not about how are my crops doing? Oh, what are my numbers like? You know what I mean? Why isn't yes. this targeting right? What's wrong with the algorithm? How do I change it so I can kind of work the wave and surf the numbers and get the light? What's the, the weather? Light?
0: What are the bugs what? doing?
1: Right, all that stuff. But I'm like this, you know what? Whenever they eat that salad, I hope they enjoy it. What I'm making here, I just hope you enjoy it. It's not about micromanaging the content for the numbers. Because if you look on something like Instagram stories or on TikTok, it goes by so quickly. And we are accustomed to a place. We are artists, Allison, where we create something. We want it to have some version of lasting power. Right. We are we are either in, you know, great animation projects or working behind the scenes on them as a director, perhaps, or casting director. And we hope that those shows stick around for generations. Right. But all of the social media stuff that we that we create on the daily kind of disappears and no one will ever find it again unless they do a deep scroll
0: unless you said something inappropriate then somehow
1: oh my gosh there is that there's definitely that yes there's that whole like you know fishing out the canceled stuff so taking a break is super important i think it makes you a much clearer and appealing artist when you return and if the numbers come fine and if they don't i think it's important for anybody to recognize that the numbers don't matter as much as you being a creative person Mm -hmm. real, real quick. I promise I'll be so short on this. There is one amazing, amazing, miraculous ladybug content creator and super uber fan who lives in Canada. Uh And she had more followers than I had seen anybody have on Instagram with, you know, all the miraculous ladybug craze. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they just banned her account and deleted it. And I felt sick in my stomach For all that work, all that effort that she put in there, and then they just deleted her account, and I gave her words of encouragement, like, all those followers will come back, they'll find you, they'll come back, or maybe they were a bunch of robot dummy accounts, and you don't need them anyway, but you just keep being you and make the stuff that makes you happy, and then it will just grow back, or if it doesn't grow back, it doesn't. But you just keep being you because you know and I know that if one of our accounts all of a sudden just gets deleted or we wake up one day, you know, and one of these social media platforms gets hacked and it's all gone, I would feel sad. I would be depressed about it because I'd be like, no, that all that. Yeah. You know, because we do put a lot of creative energy behind what we are making, but she has gotten back on a platform and she's building back her audience the way that she is. And it's not the same numbers, but you know, it, I didn't want her to be completely discouraged and depressed. Yeah. So, you know, all of it is com- it just, it's just like everything. It's all mm-hmm. temporary. It's all out of our control and just live in the moment and let's enjoy our conversation tonight.
0: Yeah. yeah. Woo. There you have it folks. <laughs> Yeah, and so I mean, it it really is truly a journey and a lesson in impermanence and in the temporal nature of life, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it's just how do we stay more present, you know? And you can't get so wrapped up in uh, what you're doing or checking back in with how things are doing that you're not present in your life. Because I think we've all probably been there. If you're on social yeah, well, media, actor- been, what am I doing? I I'm scrolling. Right. I didn't even know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and, but, and and as far as actors are concerned, when you submit auditions, I just saw your TikTok where you spent 45 minutes on an audition, but if if you are an actor and you are obsessing about when am I going to get, when will I hear feedback about my audition? Hmm. We're not living for the feedback. Feedback is nice. And sometimes feedback is hurtful, but Hmm. we don't, we can't be living for the feedback. If we're living for the feedback and the acceptance, then we are taking a step far away from ourselves as the artist Mm -hmm. as an artist we have got to put ourselves out there for criticism critique praise or nothing but we just got to keep putting ourselves out there as artists and you know as as a voiceover person the ideal life is please just keep giving me auditions and when they hit they hit but i'm not going to be looking at my inbox from my agent to see if i got it or if there's a callback that's what kind of life is that? That's the same as just scrolling and looking at everybody else's stuff.
0: Yeah. You got to just let it go. Let it go. Oh, <laughs> let
1: it go. Don't hold it back anymore. What'd you do? Did you kick your own computer <laughs> desk? my iPad. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the juice. Let's take the bacon wow. bite.
0: Listen, so it, it's funny because that was such an inspirational thing. And, and I'm, I'm realizing, well, in my research, I figured I found out, you know, so you teach Tai Chi. You're also oh, yes. a marathon coach. These are both yes. skills that kind of help people stay inspired in the mm-hmm. long, in the long run. And mm-hmm. um, so can you talk a little bit about your sports background it's kind of a weird place to start. Oh but-
1: yes, of course. I was not an athlete at all through high school you know- or college. Boom, not <laughs> at all. Not boom, not at all. Nothing. I mean, I liked seeing sports. I was the biggest cheerleader in the bleachers during high school. I, but of course, why was I doing that? Probably to just get a crowd to look at me being the fool in the bleachers. But um, not. I don't understand sports. I never really. I still don't understand sports like football. I don't understand hockey at all. I like watching tennis. I think it's fascinating. I finally, over the past seven or eight years, started to chip away at some of the fundamental rules of baseball, but I just don't know it like most fans of any sport know. I like to watch it for the drama. I basically figured out, you know, okay, if you're... I don't understand how fouls work in basketball, but I understand the points and who's going to win. I mean, that makes sense to me. So I was not athletic at all, Allison, in high school. I was very, very invested in the theater department and, and being a performer. And, in, and then when I graduated, I spent one year at Sarah Lawrence College and I devoured their theater department and wanted to transfer to a more more strict Structured conservatory program, and I was seeking out places like Juilliard and Cal Arts or California Institute of the Arts, and I went there, and it was nothing but the physical building of an artist. So voice class, speech class, movement class, Tai Chi was included, four and a half hours of an acting class every day, a break for dinner, and then a three and a half hour rehearsal at night. And it was just that level of stamina and performance that was the dream. And I learned Tai Chi there. I also, you know, like I said, choreography or movement, Mm -hmm. we had, you know, all semester long, you're learning how to do a dance, but... I liked aerobics. That was as, as, as athletic as I got, you know, and yeah. as sportsy as I got. But tiny, aerobics with you
0: so bad. I just, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> it's so much fun. If I, the only thing, it, give me just three Zumba classes to catch up, and then Zumba's my jam. But at first, I'm like, what are y'all doing? I can't, you know. And then once I figure it out, I'm like, let's go, let's go. But when I found tight, it was, it just felt like the right it. I could practice it I could it was slow enough obviously for me to follow it was physical enough for me to feel and it was meditative enough for me to expand and explore like what all of this could mean and it truly is something that the longer I have been practicing, the more it has given me and it is something that I feel as a true gift for my education that has been with me and will never be taken away from me no matter what happens in this world. I manage a great deal of stress levels, anxiety with my Tai Chi, not medication, just my Tai Chi and that practice. And it is always, always balancing me out. So I, so I, was, so I excelled at tai Chi because I would show up early. I was a teacher's pet. I'm still a teacher's pet. I wanted to show the teacher that I was getting it and I really wanted to win the teacher's favor and we had a very good relationship. And by the time I was graduating, my instructor said, You're able to teach this. And I'm like, What? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, you can teach it. So I just started practicing at Runyon Canyon. There's a abandoned tennis court there. Uh-huh. And I would practice there and people would come and watch me and I you know invite anybody who, who did not feel intimidated to practice along. And then I continued to, and I I think I'm one of the only people from my graduating company that still practices Tai Chi. And when someone heard that, they recommended me to Occidental College 18 years ago. And I've been teaching there consistently for 18 years. Mm -hmm. So you teach
0: the college students.
1: I teach college students. Yeah, I teach them like I learned. And, and the thing is, the thing is, my Tai Chi class, Allison, is from 12.10 to one ten on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. And can you imagine, here I am, I'm a director, I've got a project, it's several months long, and then I have to tell, I have to tell the production manager, hey, between 12 o'clock and 1.30, I'm going to have to bail for like a two-hour lunch because I have to teach my Tai Chi class twice a week. Wow. Oh, yay! My daughter just got into her choir. She auditioned and she just got in. And ah! my yay, we're screaming. Yay, hooray. very good. We're very hooray. excited. Hooray, hooray! She just is a, a you know a new student in college, so we're very very excited. Hooray. So so it has always been a problem to maintain and sustain teaching Tai Chi. It has oh. always been important to me, and. The thing is, as a independent contracting artist, like we are, yeah. you can't, sometimes have to keep several plates spinning, and teaching Tai Chi is a gig that pays very, 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 very little, very, very little, but I love it, and even though it pays little, it pays. And you need any kind of money all the time. And sometimes little bits of money can pile up to be enough money for a month or for the semester or whatever. So I don't want to say no at the opportunity, but I also really love the work. And it helps me as a director because when I come back or if I'm practicing it through the week like I do, I'm just a happier, balanced, calmer, more present, engaging human being to work with. And uh, and that's of, of value I can't put any money on.
0: That's so great that you both recognize that and put it into action, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of things mm-hmm. in life. Sometimes it, it's easy to see it on paper. Oh, yeah. If I get up super early every morning, I'm a much more balanced person. And then we get in grooves where, you yeah, know.
1: Do you have any advice
0: or wisdom that maybe you're Tai Chi or you're running for people that find they've gotten off track? Any words of inspiration?
1: I do have, it's a very, very simple, simple lesson, but we always make this mistake in our lives. And we, we try to, whenever we're in a new situation, even if it's a new job and you're working with new people, right? You want to show them how good you are right away. Right. And you may not be ready to be that good, as good as you want to be as good as your mind says we, we hear so many quotes and podcasts and speeches from motiva- motivational talkers that like if you get it in your mind, you can do it, you should do it and you and they're absolutely right and I do not take away their message. but I feel like their intensity behind the message pushes us to try and do something before we are ready. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we make some big mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I always try to instill, go slow until you know, and I don't mean to make it rhyme. It's just coming out the way it is right now, right? But go slowly until you know. And then once you know with confidence, then you can pick up pace. Mm -hmm. Think of it as you're trying to learn a new dance choreography, right? And someone's showing you the moves and you don't know it. And it takes time for your brain to tell your body what to do, but you are trying so hard to like show that you know it and you miss a step and you twist your ankle and now you're out because you went too fast too soon and now you made a mistake. If you go fast, you make a mistake. So try not to go so fast so soon and then, you know and then other things will come your way. But we're, we're very, we're seeking that recognition that we're good at it already. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Now, in terms mm-hmm. of running, Allison, when I was engaged to my beautiful wife, Sabrina, I had so much energy and the wedding was planned and we were getting married in New Jersey and living in California, and I did not know what to do with myself. And I wanted to take an aerobics class because that's the only physical stuff outside of Tai Chi that I would do. And the gym was under, you know, construction and I couldn't work out and I was bummed. And I was in my running, my, it was in my workout clothes. So when I got back to the house, I parked the car. I'm like, what do I do with my, do I wash my running, my clothes? I just put them on, but I didn't work out. But they're my like workout clothes. Like, what do I do? I can't take them off until they're gross. Cause that's what workout clothes are for. So I just said, screw it. And I ran as far as I could go which was three or four blocks, and I was out of breath. I turned around and I ran back, and I'm like, that kicked my butt. I'm going (laughs) to do that again tomorrow. And then I started to build that up. And then over the course of the years, I started to get motivated by races and then motivated by medals, which are hanging back there, some of them. And then I just started to love how pushing my body in a slow and steady way would give me a community of beautiful people, a feeling of success and accomplishment, something that also belongs to me. And that's how I got involved with being a marathon runner.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny, you teach with a running group or...?
1: I do with a group called the Pasadena Pacers in Pasadena, California. I'm there to
0: share that or not. <laughs> yes,
1: of course, I am their half marathon coach. It is a free running club, nice. so anybody is welcome to join. Go to pasadenapacers.org for all that information. I'm their half marathon coach, and the year that led up to the very start of our world closure and the pandemic. I was their marathon coach. So I was the coach all through the 2019 up to March 2020 Los Angeles marathon coach. And this year I'm a Los Angeles marathon ambassador. Well, that means I'm sort of representing the city of Los Angeles and the demographic that might be like an older dude who is not an athlete, who's not all about, you know, sort of being cut and being fast and their PRs. I'm just a guy who loves to run. So I guess I represent the demographic of that, that is, you know, just some guy here who's sharing his love of running with anyone else who's training for or thinking about running the LA Marathon. And, you know, they expect me to do posts and they expect me to do Instagram lives like this. And I have a photo shoot on Wednesday with some apparel and some sneakers from ASICS. So it's all exciting. It feels like I'm a little bit of a sports person, but yeah, not really. I think you can you know what I mean?
0: an athlete at this point.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I would never, ever call myself an athlete.
0: <laughs> I actually ran a marathon many years ago, but did the whole, I wasn't, was it the Pacers? It was, is there another one? No, it was team and training. <laughs> So team I mean, and training
1: we just, for leukemia and lymphoma. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, Amazing um,
1: organization.
0: Yeah, it was really fun and inspiring, and you know, took it from zero to like running a marathon, which was yeah,
1: good for you. Harder
0: than I thought it would be.
1: It's hard. It's hard. I That's why I like to do it because it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much of it is the mental game. As it as it is as a performer. So you were saying. So you ended up at at college. Did you say it was California? Oh, at Cal Arts. Cal yeah,
1: Arts. I went to California Institute of the Arts, and I got my bachelor's in acting. Wow. I have a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in, in uh, I don't know, even if it's, uh, maybe it's theater. I don't remember yeah. what the title is. And so it's you graduate theater.
0: and you're in, and then you just in, like stay in Los Angeles to be an actor.
1: Yes, Allison, that's uh-huh. right. I'm originally from New Jersey. So my whole family's in New Jersey. I'm the only one who really, the sort of pioneer who came right. out to the West Coast all by himself, which was kind of scary and exciting at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I felt a lot of love. I felt like I was so absorbed. I mean, I had so much love absorbed in me from my family that I felt okay. I felt like it was something I could. So I did it. I did it. And I also had a really wonderful girlfriend at the time, and we were just trying to figure it out. We were going to be actors together. And I auditioned for a lot of different shows. One of the first, uh, one of the first television appearances I had was on America's Most Wanted, which was very exciting. Idaho. Um,
0: it's getting my of course air conditioning. Who yeah, um, that's yeah. Really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I book. Who knows? I I don't know. I I know that I think I died in a garage because I remember <laughs> the garage scene. And then I did a Internet, bunch do of. Your thi- <laughs> that's right. Find me. Find me. I also I've also always been very passionate about improvisation. That has always, ever since high school, that has always been my thing. I love every kind of version of improvisation, uh-huh. and I think it's instrumental in your work. It's, instrum- it's, it's, it's basically like, I mean, as an artist, it's like, here's a canvas and here's just a bunch of pates. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Right? Or here's a room with a whole bunch of toys. What are you going to do with it? Except you have to, as an improviser, know that all of those things live in here. Right. And it's not in front of you for you to take and to use, but it's all here. So anything is possible. And if you have a playmate who says, yes, anything is possible, then you're going to have the greatest play date ever, which is what my life has always been. When I have a good friend, someone who says yes to my ideas and I say yes to their ideas and we support one another and we get silly and we just play make believe. And that's what improv has been. And then it became a little bit more theatrically formal, but it started from when I was a child. And that's how I've always, I've always kept that level of play. And I also teach that level of play. Um, so I was doing a lot of improv, taking a lot of classes and teaching a lot of classes in L.A. And then all of a sudden, my agent was like, I've got all of these. You know improv audition shows. Like there was a show called Joe the Joe Schmo Show, right? Mm -hmm. And I and that was like a it was a reality show, but only one person knew that it was. The only one person was real. Everybody else was improvised actors, right? So I started to do a lot of shows that were like that. Pilots that were like that. And I just started to really get known as being one of the improv guys that would go out for different commercials that were looking for improvisers, which they still look for. They want somebody who's quick to think and kind of make up some dialogue that's a good sort of tag at the end of a commercial or for you to riff and just sort of be yourself. And it's super important. And I still love teaching, I teach improv, two classes almost every week, to adults and to teenagers and to kids. I did not- On Zoom right now. Wow. Oh, yes, yes. If, if you, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing you should look up. If you wanted to find a improvised group that I am a uh, founding member of, it's called The Doubtful Guests.
0: The Doubtful Guests, guys?
1: Guests, yes. That's the four of us, there's four of us. So it is Ta- Todd Stashwick, Jason Addis, Sabrina Weiss, and myself. And we are, we died in a terrible brothel fire in 1888. And as ghosts, we are condemned to perform for eternity when an audience shows up. Oh my God. So when we perform, we perform in the style of what you would expect around the time that we died. (laughs) That style
0: of improv. You know
1: that, that style that's, of improv like, with a little bit of contemporary fusion there's music there's dance all of it is improvised and there's plenty of videos on YouTube to see but I will warn any of your, yourself or your viewers it is a dirty show it is what you would call blue in the industry meaning like it's adult content it's raunchy there's a lot of, there's a lot of 18 plus humor there so grown up- just for grown-ups that's right. so yeah i love absolutely love improvisation it's a huge part of my life
0: and you get to work and play with your wife a lot too which is pretty amazing
1: absolutely yes when we get to do that show it is uh, so much fun to work together like that it's also it's a nice feeling to share those pre-show jitters that kind of last the week prior to the performance (laughs) with another person so that you know it, when I do audience warm up for television shows, which for me yeah, is like, a great deal of improvisation,
0: yeah. oh, two wow. days
1: leading up to a show, I'm a nervous wreck. I mean, I just you know I got so many things going in my mind. How is it going to go? Like, how will I get there on time? What if I leave the studio where I'm directing a voiceover to get over there? I have to make sure that I've got all my clothes and my my bag of gear that I, like, all that stuff. I just start to like checklist in my mind. Then I do Tai Chi and calm all the way down. Ah, yeah,
0: yeah. Then
1: and then I I I perform the evening of audience warm-up for about three hours or so. And then I come home relieved, relaxed, exhausted and content. And it's a wonderful, wonderful rush. It really is. The whole build up to the moment, to its success, and then to the denouement and relaxing. It's really wonderful.
0: You have so much energy. It's incredible. (laughs)
1: I like to stay busy. I truly do. My father was very much uh, a passionate worker, although he was a businessman and dealt with numbers. But I saw his work ethic and I also saw how he worked too much. So I'm trying to find balance in that regard. So that I don't overwork myself so I can enjoy my family, I can enjoy my own quality of living, I can enjoy time with friends and time with you and other, you know, moments like this. And time for myself is with also my followers. I find that to be really relaxing and enjoyable when I have lives and I just kind yeah. of jump on and, and sort of share with each other.
0: Ah. Well, thank you for the time. We appreciate that. Of course. The audience warm-up. So you you're the warm-up comic on all that and you've That's done, right. And so how, how can you tell us a little bit about that process that seems so interesting?
1: Yes, I'm happy to share it. It's a very weird job. A lot of people hate it. They think they feel like a comedian is the right person for it because you're supposed to make people laugh. You warm up their laughter, you get them used to being where they are. They sort of walk into a studio, and not only is the studio literally cold, but it's a bunch of strangers sitting with each other, and you want to make them feel a little more comfortable or warm up the environment so that when it's time for the sitcom, they're laughing at the jokes. They're not like judging it or distant or, you know, sort of shut off from the experience. Mm -hmm. So I am a person who, when I do the job, I really do act the fool. I'm very much like I am on my Instagram sometimes or on any of my stories where I like to engage directly. I'm never, ever mean. I don't like being mean. I don't think teasing is a fun way to get laughs out of an audience. I think if anything, it makes them on guard like, oh, no, don't come here and tease me. So I always am the one to be teased. I do silly dance moves, which are my real dance moves. They're just silly. (laughs) I like to create a big like I'm like a big party entertainer, like at a wedding or at a bar Mitzvah or quinceanera. I'm like that guy to sort of wake up the spot. And I've got a great DJ and I just try to get interaction. You Mm -hmm. know, I try to get interaction with the audience so they feel like this evening belongs to them, which it truly does. They are the audience. They're super important and they're excited to be in Hollywood and watch the taping of one of their favorite shows. So I want them to feel special. And that is my purpose. The show is not about me. The show is about them enjoying that show. And as a professional, the show on my on you know as my standpoint, the show is all about the actors, the writers, the producers having a successful taping of the episode that they've worked all week long on. So I don't want to be too entertaining because then when the bell rings and it's time to record the audience might go like oh Ezra's shows over right now and if they hear that then everybody on the floor goes they like that guy more than us right now which you know has happened you have to learn where the balance is likewise sometimes i'll just step back a little bit and i'll be like okay let the show do its thing that's what they're here for and they'll be like ezra come on get him going a little bit more i'm like oh okay it's a, very difficult, it's a very difficult job, Allison. It's a very showbiz job. I absolutely love it. I love it. It fuses everything that I do. Performing, being in Hollywood, improvising, making people happy and having a wonderful time, and feeling rewarded by producers saying, that guy's kicking ass up there. So I love the job so much.
0: Ah wow yeah i bet you're amazing at it now see i have to go to a taping of all that A
1: uh, taping all that uh, but i mean some of your followers may know the selena gomez show on disney channel wizards of waverly place or demi lovato had a show sunny with a chance i warmed up those shows austin and Ally is a disney channel show i worked on i also uh, worked on cristella on abc i've worked on man with a yeah. plan which is a cbs show i mean I all these the different show. shows you did there's yeah. lots of lot of fun and they have different warm-up people that they bring in uh, or uh, you either. know so. I was not there. Okay. I would know if you were there. I was not there that night because it was a season finale show.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I was, I was a toy called Purr Baby. Purr.
1: <laughs> were you a real person or they used your voice for the Just toy? the
0: toys. I yeah. The microphone. Yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. I totally I was, know how you did it. But you were on set off to the side. I was side. on set. Yep.
0: The day, but then they wanted me to stay. So I was like, yes.
1: Did they introduce you? Yeah. I yeah, mean, I while I you know, were doing it, or just at curtain call? Yeah, 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 curtain call for sure. But while you were do- see, if you were there, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, Allison Packard's here. She's doing the voice." Hey, I'd be like, "Allison, come over here." And you'd come up, and you'd be like, "Hi." I'd be like, "Allison, oh my gosh, do you know that Allison does so many voices? Or do you know that what is it? The Happy People? What are the People One? What's the People <laughs> Show called? Mister. Man- the Mister Men show, right, 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 and, and then you know, I, I would, I would allow you to show yourself off, and you'd be like, "Wow, this is so fun!" And they, the audience, they would be like, "Wow, this is so great!" We're like we're getting exposed to so many wonderful, like Hollywood things, right? And if someone like Allison is not doing the voice, then I'll be like, look at this camera operator, you know, this camera operator used to work on all in the family. And then the older people are like, wow. I mean, they're just impressed by people who work in the industry, you know, because we've all touched shows that mean something to everybody, which, which, you know, it's crazy that we work on shows like Mr. Men or Miraculous Ladybug that touches an audience that say, you know, you, you lift my spirits, you help me escape, you distract me from X, Y, or Z, and or it's a special show, it's my comfort show. Yeah. It means so much.
0: It's amazing. And there's so much magic, you know. Even on days where it can feel like a grind, it's like all we have to do is have a conversation like this that lifts you up and reminds you how one in a million even this career even is right how lucky That's right. We are to be
1: we are now i see we have 37 followers that are watching live right now yeah i want those 37 followers yes i see you i want you to share this live let's see if we can double it oh, because we're going to be talking about other things now yeah it's time it's time people. Share the live. Let's go. It's going to jump off right now. It's time to do this.
0: Girl, let's go.
1: I wish I had my I wish I had my cosplay. Where's my cosplay? <laughs> I need my I need my mask. <laughs> I I mean, I have to find it. It's in my son's room of all places. But I don't want to I don't want to step away for 3 minutes to find it and then come yes. back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll watch. Maybe he's watching the live if you're the, if you're on there. Just right, gonna, He's not, like, he's uh, not even in
1: the house. He's oh, not good. even in the house.
0: He's Hello, doing son? homework with
1: his friends. Yeah, <laughs> get me my miraculous ladybug mask. <laughs> That's a hard sentence for me to say quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of different questions that came in and we talked a little bit. So you're a voice director on Rackless Lady, yep. but what, what is that like? What are, what are your tasks for directing, voice directing the show? All right,
1: I'm going to give you the inside track, Allison. This is what happens. As the voiceover director for a show that gets dubbed from French into English... I get to see the episodes first and so you would think I would get to see the scripts first right but I don't get to see the scripts first I get to see the episodes first and very often the show is in like hot demand for more episodes the fans want more and more and more so when I see an episode I see partially rendered sometimes it's even an animatic or it's just Ah. like little sketches right and Sometimes I'll see characters that don't have their hair on yet. It's just like they're bald rigging characters, you know? So I see it in a really raw form. I watch it. As I'm watching it, I am freaking out because I know that the fans of the show are going to freak out when they see this episode. Very often I'll see if there's new characters and then I have to do the casting for those new characters. I think about who are the actors that would best voice this particular character and then it's time to then i receive a recording schedule and it's usually three or four days uh in a row three or four days back to back jam-packed with actor schedules and it is a grind to get it all done when we record we work with a system that's very much like karaoke and maybe you've worked with, it's, you may have worked with something called Voice Cue, where it scrolls on the bottom, but we work with a very, it's a very French system. It's called Irithmo Band, and it scrolls on the bottom, and the actors, preview the scene. So they see the scene that they're going to do. And then we roll the scene again. And now their script is rolling on the bottom and they get to read their script while they're acting in the scene as the scene happens in real time. And the reason I mention that for anybody who's kind of curious, when you do traditional dubbing, you will do usually like one line at a time or maybe two lines at a time, but you won't act the full scene out. Mm. And I think what really helps Miraculous Ladybug out is Christina V, who's the voice of Ladybug and Marinette, She's and who was a a past guest on your Alice in Wonderland show. Yes, she gets to act the whole scene out, and I feel like that really adds a lot of life and heart and character to the overall production. And all of the characters do that. I'm just using Christina as an example. And then we'll do that scene. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we'll try a different choice, I'll say, here's what's happening in this episode, because Christina and Bryce and Keith, all of the actors um, that are in the show, they don't get to see the episode in advance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do get the script, but it's not your traditional script where it gives you, you know, like background information and a setup. It's just raw dialogue. So sometimes based off raw dialogue, you don't really know what's going on. So when they're seeing it, they're seeing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And if we're in the beginning of an episode and I know where the episode is going, Mm -hmm. because that's the work that as a director I need to do, I'll say, all right, listen, Marinette is going to find out or she's going to make a terrible mistake later. I really want you to emphasize this moment in your dialogue so that it kind of sticks when they hear it Mm-hmm. And then it pays off later. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, all right. And, you know, they have to trust me for moments like that. And then later they're like, oh, great. Or even even later on, Christina will be like, oh, can we go back and do that moment? Because I really, now I get it. Now I see the whole arc of what we're doing. So I get to do that. A lot of my work is get out of the way because everybody is so talented. I let them always, I let them always find it first themselves. I'll say here's what this episode is about. So and so's best friend gets their feelings hurt for this reason and all of a sudden Hawkmoth akumatizes them and then they destroy Paris and the whole formula of the show and then that's over, right? Throughout the formula of the show we also find out like a little bit more character development, mm-hmm. right? Like like for instance, you lied to your best friend and your best friend's feelings are really hurt. Mm-hmm about that. And you guys have to sort of have a an honest moment with each other, like a real friend moment at the end. And like, and that's what the episode's about. Like, okay, great. And then they jump in and they do it. And I'll maybe give a little bit of a direction. A lot of the time, Allison, I'll say stuff like the lip sync isn't matching. You're going too fast or too slow in this yeah. moment. So just adjust your pace. But everybody is so talented for the most part. That for, for them, for the meaning, like their, their acting is there. It's just yeah. the technical part that we sometimes have to right. realign. And then that's the job. And then I'll watch back, back the episode or I'll work with the, the editor engineer and say, all right, let's move this a little bit here or there. But again, they're very, very skilled at what they do. I just have to sit back and let them do their work. So it's sometimes it's just leading the way, you know, it's sort of saying I'm here for you. And sometimes... If, I, if we're working together, Allison, and we've had a history with each other already of working together for a while, and we're all past the pleasantries, right? I'm so happy to work here, and I'm so happy to work here. And we start to share some real stuff like, you know, I'm really stressed because my pet is at the vet right now, and I don't know what they're going to find. And I can see that you are preoccupied with that, yeah. and I can see that that lays heavy on your heart. Yeah. I will stop our work, and we will talk about that because I don't want you to feel like that needs to be suppressed. Yeah. I want you to be a person. And if there's something that's bothering that you need to speak on, let's sit and talk about that. And then once that's out of the way and you feel lighter and better, you'll enjoy doing your work more instead of having to hold back the, you know, it's, it's not that you're leaving it at the door. It's that you're pushing it inside of yourself, right? Leaving your woes at the door It depends on what they are. Oh, I can't make carpool on time. All right, that's one woe. The other woe is I'm really bothered because I just found out some bad news about a relative somewhere else and I can't be there with them now. So let's talk about that for a little bit. And as a director and as a human being, I'm really very much there. And we have a beautiful, sensitive at times cast and fascinating lives. And it's really important that we check in with each other and connect and then do our work. And then we all have a great time with it.
0: Ah, I love that.
1: Yeah, I love it too. That's always been very special. Very, very special for me. The other thing that I'll do, and then we'll go to the next question, is I will, in your headphones while you're in the booth, I will do the other dialogue so you oh, are responding thanks. to somebody, yeah. right? I'll always set it up. So you're responding. It's all about acting as reacting. So I want you to know why you're saying what you're saying, and I can deliver those lines, because I know the episode now, deliver those lines the way they're going to be delivered when the actor comes in in a couple of days. And it also helps when all those components are now put together, it really does flow like dialogue should.
0: Hey, guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Interesting. And so, and then right? one character is recorded, do they then appear in the... Yes,
1: Once, yeah. once your lines are done... I don't speak them anymore. They play off of you. But if you're the first person to record on a Monday morning and it's a brand new episode and there's nothing there and you have a scene, yeah. I am doing those voices for you. Unless you say, that's really distracting, I don't need that and I'll respect
0: that. Ezra, please. I work best. One person One person has done that. One person.
1: One yeah. person was like, I don't want it. Everyone else is like, wow, this is really great. Thank you. Because it, it allows you to use your artistic intuition to respond.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then you can- It
1: gets the performance there faster.
0: And that's even, I mean, the karaoke style, I've only worked on a couple dubs that were like that karaoke style where it's coming and your line's a different color than that one. Is it like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the exact same system, but it really, I mean, there's something about that where you can really be in the moment because you're you're not worried about the script and getting the reactions, then you can just respond as you would as per real life, (laughs) it's pretty.
1: Correct, correct, yeah, Yeah. you can act it, you can act it. A lot of voiceover, people don't realize when it's dubbing. Yeah, yeah. It's technical, Mm -hmm. it's really technical. You gotta match lip flaps, and you gotta try to start and stop at the same time and you're Mm -hmm. by yourself usually you can't dub with other people around you. It, it's just, you know, you've got to just do that one isolated track. Yeah, yeah. So it's really technical and it takes a while. And that's why I say go slow until you know, and then you'll be able to go fast. So don't beat yourself up with like, ah, I'm screwing up. Cause you just keep hitting your head against the wall. Especially when you see that band go by. I always say it's like that. I love Lucy episode where Lucy's working at the chocolate factory <laughs> and has to wrap the candies right? Once it starts to go fast, chaos happens. And it's hilarious, but it's not for Lucy who's experiencing it. It's panic. Yeah. So, you know, it can just kind of keep coming at you, keep coming at you, and you will just start to suffocate and panic. So it's good to go slow and regulate yourself, know how to do it, and then you'll pick up pace to being a pro.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you also have worked on the other side of things as an anime voice actor on So many Mm -hmm. different projects. In particular, people were curious about hearing, well, let's, we'll get there actually later. (laughs) Like what time? I was at 8.50 already, by the way.
1: Who cares? We're having a great time.
0: Okay. Uh, let's stick with miraculous. Here now, but yeah. So what is the, what is your average day then? Like when you are doing a record
1: as a, as a, m- as a my director. average day in general, as a director is I like to wake up between somewhere as five and six in the morning when I'm healthy and strong, I'll go out for about a three mile run or so. Then I'll come home. I'll have my, Always the same breakfast of coffee and toasted waffles with peanut butter and honey. No way. I'll get our kids, yeah, always, every morning, every morning. I will uh, get um, the kids ready for school, although one's in college now, but I still have Jacob, who's home and has my Miraculous Ladybug mask. I get him ready for school, and then I'll take him to school. We leave the house around 8.50 or so, uh, 7.50. I drop him off at school, and then I drive to the studio, which allows me to get there about a half hour before 9 o'clock. So I have time to settle, look over, connect with an engineer, connect with, you know, I speak to my wife. How was drop off? How are things going? Or she's still asleep and I won't even bother. Now it's has the dog been fed and walked and pooped and all that stuff. And then and then nine o'clock. It's usually nine o'clock to one o'clock. We work four-hour block. Then it's an hour lunch. Then it's two o'clock to six, or sometimes two o'clock to eight o'clock, depending on the schedule. And then and then it's done. Come home, dinner maybe, and then and then maybe a little bit of television. But Allison, if I'm sitting down
0: yeah.
1: watching television, I'll fall asleep.
0: Yeah.
1: At night, I'll just be like, oh, good night. <laughs> and then I like to go to bed somewhere between ten o'clock and eleven o'clock. And of course, throughout all of that. I'm jumping on my phone and, you know, posting up a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And then if it's a night where I have audience warm up, I'll work until about three in the afternoon. And then I'll drive over to one of the sound stages, right? One of the studio lots. And then the show usually starts at five and the show is usually done by 10.
0: Oh my God, that's a long day.
1: It's a long day. Yeah, it's a long day. And I'll usually get there and take a power nap of about 10 minutes or so and then have a hot cup of tea and get ready to go.
0: That's exciting. You're living the dream, though.
1: I do. And I do that. I feel really, really lucky. And my family knows that those particular kinds of days, even though they don't see me much, are days that, you know, I, that I really value and, you know, they're happy for me.
0: And so you started on the voice acting side of things. You, you've done, on, I did well, and and started doing a lot of voice acting. How did you then segue from the acting side to the directing side?
1: Right. So after Cal Arts, I was doing an outdoor play, big family, free theater, comedy, silly, and a producer. And voiceover director for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was in the audience wow. and said to me, hey, you've got really funny, you were really funny and your voices were silly and funny and all filled with all kinds of accents. He's like, do you do voiceover? And I lied and I said, yes. Yeah. And he's like, well, great. I, you know, do Power Rangers and here's the number and call this person and we'll book you for, you know, a guest monster. So I started to do voiceover work wow. that way. And that sort of lasted about three or four years like that, just doing one job after another job. And it was not a dedicated profession. It was I was working a day job and whenever I would get a gig, which was twice a week, maybe I would arrange, you know, the two or three hours to go and do the job and then come back and do my normal work. Yeah. My day job, my muggles job, which I hated.
0: was um, that, by the way?
1: It, I worked for 800 dentists. I was a operator at 800 dentists. Hey, so if you, yeah, it's, it's still, still performing, still working with people. Cause people would call me. I wouldn't call you and still being very helpful. Found people a dentist. It was a great fit for me. I got full-time benefits for part-time pay for part-time hours And very, very, very flexible schedule and on a call floor with other actors. So we were all covering one another's work whenever someone booked a job. And then, you know, I started to work regularly at this one studio and the studio director said, you know, we have this project. Are you interested in being the voiceover director for it? And I was like, hold on a second. I mean... I was directing theater and sketch comedy and, you know, little film shorts, but I was, I don't know about directing, vo- it's different, you know, You're there's a console, you're on the other side of the glass, I'm not working with a person the way I'm used to, I'm not on my feet, I'm not in the sun, it's mm. a dark place, it's different for me, you know, Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I said no, and he's like, I think you'd be really good at it, you should consider it. I was like, okay, I'll try it. I'm all about saying yes, certainly yes to opportunities. So I said yes. And that's how I started doing the voiceover directing. The project was a success. It had difficult talent behind it. Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family was one of the voices. And another actor who was very, very famous in uh, soap operas, his name is Jack Scalia. And he was another one of the voices. And they were temperamental and they were sort of Hollywood, like don't, you know, be careful around them. And I got along with them well. And they enjoyed doing the work, even though they hated having to do the work but I made it pleasant. Uh-huh. So hmm. the, the studio director noticed all of that. I was on time. I was prepared. I didn't create any conflict. If anything, I resolved it. And, uh, and then he just gave me more projects. So I started to direct a couple of different anime from them, a couple of live action movies. Then that took me to another studio, which is Dubbing Brothers. Yeah. And they they had beautiful major motion picture foreign motion pictures that were going to be you know academy award nominees from sony pictures classics and it was curse of the curtain i forgot already curse of the golden flower which was the same a studio that did uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon i mean this beautiful big epic you know dub i did an anime an anime movie called paprika i worked on another movie called uh sky crawlers and again not entirely abandoning my work at 800 dentist yet yeah, because it's just, they're just jobs. Jobs will happen and then they're done. Mm -hmm. It's just like being involved in a play, right? Like even the original cast of Hamilton, they're like, well, I know I'm not doing this forever. I got to find another gig when this is up, no matter how great it is. Right. So, so it was, it just worked like that until it got to a place. And even still, I find myself with, big pockets of time with no voiceover directing work Mm -hmm. and voiceover acting work is even harder to come by because there's smaller increments of time that you have to string together. If you look at it like this, a voiceover director, I know I'm involved on a project. That's like a big piece of penne macaroni, right? (laughs) On the the macaroni necklace. It's a big chunk of time, Uh right? You... You might be just like one little cranberry for a voiceover session of two hours, right? I know that I'm going to be working on a movie, dubbing a movie for seven days, seven work days. I'm like, great. Seven work days. That's great. That's income. That's, you know, focus. But if I'm a voice actor on that movie, I might work six hours, six hours instead of 56 hours you know? So I started to think like, maybe I'll put a little bit more investment in getting the directing jobs. And I started to really enjoy being a part of working with all of these amazing people all day long. Yeah, And then the final product is something I'm incredibly proud of because of everyone's great work that's in it. But I do get jealous Mm -hmm. of voice actors that say, I'm the voice of, and everyone goes, Oh my gosh, I love the voice of, I love that character. I'm like, Hey, wait, I direct it. I'm like, we don't care about you. Oh, great. True. Great. Not definitely true. Allison. Like nobody is interested in anybody who directed anything. They're interested in I'm the voice of, Uh, and then you go, Oh my gosh, you're the voice of it's Hmm. much more, you know, you can identify with that. And relate to that and connect with that but you know that's 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 sometimes some of the stuff that i'm kind of like hey i wanna it would be nice to have a role that's recognizable maybe in a series but that's not where i invested my time and my energy
0: investing that too
1: we, are you yes i've manife- manifest that yeah but i what i have achieved are the things that i have manifested yeah. what i just shared with you is a vulnerable truth that's like i also you know it would be nice if i was you know known as that guy
0: i think it's gonna happen
1: (laughs) all right i'm ready i've had experiences already in the past i mean i can say (laughs) i can say have you seen this show or do you watch that uh series or i'm the voice of this or i have done that or and they're like oh oh wow that's kind of nice
0: yeah Mm mm-hmm and you are, I mean, you do get to see the project all the way through. And what has it been like working on a project like Miraculous where the fandom is just so huge? I mean, was that a new experience for you?
1: It was a new experience. It was, it was, a, it was, heard- it's, it, it's now a new experience for me. At first, it wasn't a new experience for me. At first, I was very familiar with being involved in a show and that show had a big audience i had already been familiar with that yeah yeah mm-hmm. but then the show grew bigger than that experience the audience grew bigger than that experience that i had already had at first it was excuse me i was very very surprised when i went to an anime convention i went to anime los angeles one of my favorite anime conventions and it's local for us and i saw a cosplayer dressed as miraculous ladybug and I flipped, oh, I ran, I have pictures of it still. I ran over to her, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're dressed miraculous ladybug. What are you doing here? You know, that kind of thing. She's like, I love the show, and I loved it when it was, you know, original, like there was an anime treatment of it. And she's like, I just love the character. And I said, I'm the director of the show. She's like, what? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, she's like, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, yes, can, you, can I get a picture with you? right and then as the years have rolled out it has just grown more and more and more and more and i i just i can't believe you know the audience the global audience that it has now it was always much bigger in every other country except for america mm-hmm. it's i mean like spain mexico brazil germany huge hit like unbelievable hit right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad everyone else is enjoying it. That's not even our version. It's not even the English version of it, but I'm super proud of the show's success. But now it's really growing with popularity here in North America. And I found out from the fans, it was because of COVID. People were locked up in their house. Oh. They were streaming things. And at that point, now we had three seasons of a show that someone can binge. <laughs> Right. Kind of like what happened with Shits Creek, right? People were like, ah, what's this show? Well, wow, I have the whole show right here, the whole series. I'm going to binge it. Uh-huh. And now it's like my favorite show. It won all the Emmys last year. And, you know, it was a really big surprise. And Miraculous Ladybug has fans that are so passionate, they will vote and vote and vote until it wins the popular vote of being a Teen Choice Award for Best New Anime or Animation. Which it did.
0: Hey, hey, hey. So,
1: I mean, you know, I very much respect and honor and recognize the fans of the show because, you know, the, the show wouldn't be doing a seasons five, six or seven if they weren't, you know, demanding it.
0: Man, that's so that's, now
1: it's totally like beyond my expectation. And
0: we have people tuning in for this live. Somebody's from Pakistan, Mexico. Yeah. Um,
1: yes the italian shout out shout out where are you from i love it sometimes i'll do this on a tiktok live or instagram i love to see all the different countries
0: let us know somebody earlier was australia so it really is we
1: have some miraculars in israel Some australia is a big one and also canada let's not forget our neighbors
0: yes canadian friends. yeah
1: that's right
0: is there anything you can tell us about the?
1: I can tell you that. Okay. Yes, I do. I mean, I can't tell you anything. So you're not really getting anything. Oh, are you still oh, there?
0: Yes. I'm still I, there. Okay. We, okay. We glitched for a second. Actually, before you answer that question, a I just want to say all of a sudden it was Los Angeles, Florida, Malay, New Zealand, Mexico, yep. Philippines, Finland, Australia, Lebanon, Philippines again. Yep. So,
1: and they're all here watching.
0: They're all here watching. Don't mention Great Britain, guys. Yep. That's amazing! Thank you for tuning in. See Ezra, people. Yep,
1: director yep. Directors. Oh, Thank I you. hope so. I got Yeah, hopefully, I'll I'll get some more recognition for some of some of the directors that are working so so hard behind the scenes. So for Miraculous Ladybug, I obviously can't say anything like of true value, like of, of true. content because i'm not allowed to do that but i do want to let everybody know that like cares about the show that has been following the show during the season four that's we're currently in i am not finished with season four yet we still have some more episodes to do i do know that the show gets much stronger in terms of the storyline over the next few episodes as we get towards the end in the season finale which is gonna be a two-part season finale and it's going to be very very strong in terms of like fan delivery like you're gonna see so much and it's gonna make them really excited if they like the show they're gonna love the the end run of episodes very much
0: yay oh that's so- yeah yeah wow I know that there are Ooh, we're already actually over time do you have a hard out I no i
1: just don't know if this if instagram live will cut you off at any time
0: i think it would have been an hour i think because i do this every week they they give me grace
1: they give you more time okay great (laughs) yeah
0: but um, i do want to get have a chance to get to a couple fan questions so tamar had asked did working as an acting coach for nickelodeon disney how was that and did it impress your kids so were you an acting coach for the networks as well
1: Well, what would happen is as an improviser and being as an improv teacher, sometimes I was asked to work with some of the younger actors that would be on a show. And and we would run through different games and, you know, just kind of loosen up and feel more free about yourself so that you can bring more of yourself back to the set and to the script. So things just wouldn't feel so stiff and written. So that's pretty much addressing that part but what was the full question how has that what
0: you didn't impress your kids
1: <laughs> oh impressed my kids it did not impress them much to to quote shania twain it it there are times what impresses them i think a little bit is like when we would go to an anime convention and they would see that people are kind of interested in either an anime that i'm voicing in or directing or miraculous ladybug yeah. but then that kind of neutralizes and they're like oh we know that this is gonna happen for dad now and the only time i think it like really um matters is when they have someone in their friend circle mention a show or an anime and then they're like oh yeah my dad works on that and like what no way! and then I yeah, yeah that part that part is super fun um for me to know that that's happening for them but it was always always fun for me to bring my kids on set for them to meet selena gomez and demi lovato and ross lynch and all these really great talented younger art artists and take pictures with them they were always so nice to my kids and my kids really loved being around them and seeing that and i feel like that calmed down any sort of fan you know fan sunglasses that they may have with celebrity they're like see them as real people so yeah. when it comes to and and even somebody like uh, Billie Eilish, my daughter, Sarah, was in an aerial Silks class with Billie Eilish with her mother, who is the teacher, who is very good friends with Sabrina. Yeah. What's that?
0: She's a voice actor. And
1: they're. She's a voice actor as well. Right. And I've had, I've worked with Maggie. I bring her in on some projects as well. And, you know, and so she sees somebody who's like such a big superstar as Billie Eilish, but she also like knows who she is. Right. So she doesn't get like that crazy, crazy, you know, starstruck stuff. And I feel like that's really good and healthy for the family. And that was a benefit of, you know, the things that I do and the things Sabrina does.
0: That's very cool. Yes, 97 wanted to know what was it like working on Code Geass as Mao. Will
1: wow, Code Geass. That? So yeah, Code Geass was an earlier anime title that I worked on. I was already at a place where Huge, huge title. I It's a huge title. I had no understanding of what it meant. I just knew and I certainly when I was recording anime at that time, I wasn't watching anime. I didn't I just knew that you wanted me as an actor. So I came in and I was I I'm I an actor. I would do whatever. You want me on set, you want me on stage, you want me behind a microphone. It's yep. all the same work for me. So it was exciting to just diversify my portfolio with here's some voiceover work and here's some on-camera work and here's some stage work. So at the time I did not understand, but I was told that this was a really big title. Yep. And um And I just treated the work like I would treat all of the work. You know, I gave it my all and I tried to do my best all the time and listen to what the director, Kevin Seymour, who directed it, what he wanted me to do. And, And I loved it. But I love all of the projects that I work on for the most part. One project I hated, and that was a video game where I was like a big demon, like the boss round demon. And I had to scream and shout every one of my lines, like shout them. And ha- like not even halfway through the session, I just hated it so much yeah. that I wanted to quit. And I said, this pain is not worth the money. And I don't want to do this job. But I did. I finished the job. Up. But I hated that job. It was so, so difficult.
0: Yeah, I'm so sorry. I think we've all <laughs> yeah. been in situations. Where yes. Oh, no. This does not. Yeah. This one's for me. You work okay. for couples. <laughs>
1: I worked on popples pop- you remember the toys oh my
0: God, I love- alice
1: and i absolutely now that we know each other and i know your voice and your work you are most certainly on the list for auditions for stuff like that oh. i mean other stuff as well other stuff as well but when there's like cute original animation Which that was, original animation, meaning we didn't have any visual yet. There was no video yet. We just had scripts and we recorded from the scripts. I mean, that is such a show up your alley. And all of the voices were so cute. The talented cast that's on Popples. And then, I didn't know this at the time, but for anybody who's still watching that's Miraculous Ladybug, they know that that is a Zag show, right? Jeremy Zag, the uber creator of all of these titles and... Popples was a Zag show, and that was before Miraculous Ladybug. Oh. And I did not know that. And it could be very likely that Miraculous Ladybug kind of poppled my way by way of Popples to me. But I don't think it was, because oh. when we had Jeremy Zag in our studio while we were recording Miraculous Ladybug, he looked over at like our trophy case where we had some merchandise of the popples and he was like oh that's my show and we're like what and he took it out and he flipped it around and it said zag on the back of it and he's like yeah yeah that's my show it's my show so i don't think he even knows that we recorded popples at the same studio that we were doing miraculous ladybug but there i was working on popples a couple of years before miraculous ladybug and it's really cute and it's on netflix and if you want to see it definitely go and see it and i voice uh, character on there, and his name is Gruffman.
0: I, see. Yeah. He lo- I couldn't so remember him from like the deep, deep archives. but
1: I think he's a new character. There's a lot of new characters. I think they just resurrected the names, and obviously the cuteness of the poppling device of like rolling into a ball and popping back out again. And the popping noise. But I think everything <laughs> after that was brand new. I also, since you're a fan of popples, at OG popples, I also directed a season of mon chi <gasps> I
0: made my son watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, I the new
1: it version it, or the old version? The, the older version? The new the, Oh, you really? Where did you French see it? Because I'm, yeah, yeah, where'd you see you it? You
0: saw it, I think, on Netflix.
1: In French or in English? In English. Oh, great, I'll go watch it.
0: I don't know, I didn't even know. Years, I would say this is probably a couple of years ago, maybe a year, okay. a year or two ago. That, but yeah, that sounds
1: right. No, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. I, I, you can check on just watch too, to see where things are airing to reuse that app. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Cause it's funny how things keep getting moving around. I try to find Yo-Kai watch. It was on Netflix and tell everybody, mm-hmm. like, where do we see it? The fans tell you they took it off. And then you go, yep. you go, oh. And
1: people are worried. They're like, where can we watch like miraculous ladybug? Where will we be able to watch it? Yeah. I don't know. I know. I don't know. They're like, when is this episode coming out? I don't know. I just work on an episode that will eventually come out, but I don't know anything beyond it's recording.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: But I know they're all anxious to know things.
0: Yes. Yes. So you guys will have to exercise some patience. This is a question we get asked all the time. There was a number alive that wanted to ask it. Here it is. What is your best advice for people beginning their voice acting journey? And I know that I pulled that question up, but that goes for everybody that asked that.
1: Question. Yeah, that's a great question. It is most certainly the most popular question when conversations like this are happening or panels at anime conventions or comic cons are, are held. How can I, what's the best advice to get it going to get it started? And I, I apologize, Allison, if my answer is very similar to many of your guests or maybe even your own answer that you may have voiced many times but i definitely believe that the first and strongest exercise that you should be doing is taking out a book and reading it out loud and reading it out loud to an audience of children They'll let you know if you have a voice and a way of sharing and lifting words and telling a story and if you're able to captivate their attention. And if you don't, then you've got your work to do. Once you have an audience of kids sitting crisscross applesauce with their eyes up looking at you and their mouth open because they cannot They cannot move from that captivating retelling or telling of the tale of Charlotte's Web or of, you know, the Babysitter's Club or any of the books, you know, a Nancy Drew story. If you can bring those words and all of that to life and the voices of those characters, then you know that you are going to be a good match for a career in voiceover work or even as a hobby in voiceover work. That will teach you to lift the words off of the page. That will teach you to find the dialogue to come to life. That will teach you to get accustomed to hearing your own voice and loving it. The biggest obstacle most people have when you get headphones on your ears and a microphone in your face is that's what I really sound like. That's what you really sound like. You should love what you really sound like, or you should not do it. Just like if every time you cook food and you eat it, you go, Oh, this tastes like crap. (laughs) Don't be a chef. If you don't believe in your creation, if you're not proud about it, if you don't want everybody to embrace it, then don't do that thing and figure out the thing that you do want to share everybody and that could be i like it gives me great satisfaction to have very neat numbers and accounting boy if i have a clean accounting book oh am i happy about that i'm satisfied and i sleep soundly at night great be an accountant. if performing and using your voice and your your creativity and giving it to an audience, and that audience is captivated, then voiceover is right for you. And it's not right for everybody. I loved to read stories. When I was already in elementary school, I would go to the kindergarten class, not even realizing what I was doing, but knowing that I wanted to entertain them. I wanted to have an audience. And kids are the hardest audience. They'll run. They'll let you know as soon as you're boring. They'll go, oh, and you'll go, Oh shoot, how do I make this better? You'll have all the flop sweat that comedians have when you have a group of small kids that think you're boring. So <laughs> practice out loud. Go to your library when you know COVID restrictions are lifted, and go to the children's section and say, Hi, my name is Cheryl and I volunteer my time. If you do any read alouds, I'd like to be one of your readers. Mm-hmm.
0: You can also volunteer. And they'll
1: be like reading for the blind yeah, where?
0: Reading for the blind.
1: Isn't, reading for or, the blind you, mm-hmm.
0: there's one in local to los angeles art of elysium and they they do you can go in and perform for children that um are sick in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, whether you're a musician or an actor so those are some others there's lots of opportunities i think to help share and develop your talents while helping others which is an excellent yeah ezra yeah yeah i don't want to keep Thanks. you on too much longer so let's just do one last question one or two last questions let's see okay uh, this is an, this i think is is a really interesting question let's see where did it go it?
1: ezra do you have any advice on avoiding toxicity on social media ha <laughs> ha what a beautiful question and it's a fan of yours too look at the username <laughs> yes yes so we can't we can't really avoid that because that is what's happening what we can do is Choose to look towards the positive. Find a way to really feel empowered by deleting comments that you don't like to see or going into your settings and putting in certain words that you don't want to see to sort of filter those things out so that you can kind of just keep your social media comments more a safer place for you. I do feel like there is a certain level of empowerment that you can have that you can own by deleting and blocking. And I will share with you personally that I have a difficult time blocking or deleting someone's comment. I feel like if there's a comment there that I don't like, I'll leave it there and I'll let everyone else talk about that comment. That's not my business. My business is what I posted and that's it. So if there's a discussion going on in my comments, then there's a discussion going on in my comments and I don't need to go back and keep looking at something that might trigger stress or anxiety, possible depression. I also believe that if someone is just being a troll and being toxic, you don't need to have that in your life on social media or in real life. And there's ways that we can eradicate that. You can block that person and they don't ever need to see your gift again. They don't get you. You can also do that with real people in your life. There are terribly toxic people in this world and they may be real close to you and you can choose to not hang out with them or not, you know, take up an invitation if they want you to go for coffee or something because, because you know you'll walk away there feeling less good about yourself. And I have a hard time saying no. I said several times in our interview together that, you know, I'm all about saying yes and opportunities. I'm really there for people. I have an empathetic heart. I really want to listen and be that person who's there. And if somebody criticizes or attacks me, I feel it deeply. And it's hard to work through. But Tai Chi and running and love of my family, that helps balance that all out. Also, like Allison did, a break from social media is also very replenishing. So take a time away, block or delete, or ignore them. Mm -hmm. Focus on the positive for your comments. And I really do think, and also don't give it as much value as you feel like you should. If someone's being toxic somewhere, they're having a terrible time in their own body. And you're not. So you don't have to have their terrible time invade your space. So just think of them as maybe an upset selfish bitter child because we all have a child inside of us and sometimes we all operate from that child place and and instead of feeling assaulted by a powerful toxicity just recognize that that's just a person in there who's having a hard time with their child dealing with how difficult life is for them and that's not your fault that's not your fault and that's not your problem
0: just to add on top of that the tai chi which is very accessible to anybody there's also a practice called eft tapping that i use to kind of clear negative energy it's scientifically proven you basically are tapping on meridian points it's free mm-hmm. videos on you tap on these meridian mm-hmm. points while you talk to yourself and kind of re- change you acknowledge what is negative about your situation or your feelings and then you transform that into discovering what you're grateful for or what what's what's positive about it and it's so simple you think it can't really work but there's apps and does. videos and that's just like another sort of tool in the the toolbox to help mm-hmm. deal with the ever-increasing toxicity that can be viewed or witnessed yeah. in our spaces now which,
1: you yeah. Yeah, you know how I don't know I I like to observe as much as possible. I like to look and observe things. I like time in a theme park or an airport and I like to watch the people. But have you ever seen a dog when they either all of a sudden start to bark or you see their hairs like lift up and they start to bark, right? You ever notice when a dog does that when it's when it's finished feeling that threat, they always shake their body loose. You ever Do see that? They- like a dog always <laughs> started- right they right they are they are physically recalibrating themselves that moment was intense for them it put them on edge it lifted their hair right it triggered their anxiety and their panic and then when it was over they're like oh crud and then they're right back to normal again and that tapping serves in a very similar but a more delicate and precise version of it but also you can totally shake your body loose just shake it shake it shake it loose and you'll you will feel better because we hold on to stuff in our bodies, right? So we want to shake it loose. Well, yeah,
0: we've <laughs> taken such an hour and a half of your time. You've been so generous. I am so grateful to have this experience to be able to to chat with you. And I think the likewise, I'm grateful too. You have such beautiful energy and leave such a positive impact on your community and the planet so uh, <laughs> thank you allison it's been lovely thank you so much
1: likewise uh, likewise thanks for including <laughs> me
0: it's like I, they're, you know always trying to find which clip you're going to take from the interview <laughs> it's going to be this one we're just... anyways guys i'm going to go ahead and post this interview right after this so if you miss any of it you can go back and tune into the replay. Ezra, thank you so much. I think we're going to be off next week, actually, because I am going to be at a... T- teaching at a voiceover conference in dublin so i unless i can find somebody i mean it is a voiceover conference if i can find a great guest there we could do a live but in two weeks tom ruber is coming on the show he is the creator of pinky and the brain and tiny Toons adventures and the original animaniacs so it's going to be a really good interview it's actually rescheduled from a couple weeks ago so i hope you guys tune in for that and ezra you're amazing thank you so much we'll see you soon Bye.
1: All, right. all right See you soon. Bye. Thanks for watching. Bye, Allison.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpackard.com. See you next week.